Guys, it's, uh, it's great to see you guys today. I hope you had a, a great Christmas and, and holiday season. It's been, it's been my hope and, and prayer for, for all of us, uh, the, the part of the Doxa family, that, that as we went through this Christmas season, despite like all of the, the busyness and the extravaganza that Christmas has become culturally, that you were truly able to like celebrate the incarnation of Jesus, which is, was ultimately what Christmas, like our church, and, and really just life in general is, is all about. But you know, for our family, we... We had a great Christmas. Um, it was it was restful. It was worshipful. But along with that, guys, one of the the main reasons uh, that this Christmas was so good was this. Okay, so last year, um, Ronnie and Caitlin Goble, some of our our best friends, they they gave uh, our kids Christmas presents. Okay, and you guys probably remember this, but um, you know, and, and it's great. Like. Our kids call him Uncle Ronnie and Aunt Kate, and so they give him this Christmas present, and Lily opens it up, and it's got 75 pieces. 75 pieces, you know, and it took like a vacation day and an engineering degree to like put this thing together, okay? And, and it caused a, a lot of tension in, in my life, okay, in my, my walk with God. So I kind of made like a rule after that last year. It was like, no more toys with more pieces than daddy has fingers, okay? And so we, I kind of I made that rule. And so Christmas for me was, was good. There was very minimal frustration, very minimal like outbreaks of, of anger from putting together toys. But, but here's the thing, okay? Unknown to me, Lisa kind of like deviated from, from that plan, okay? And, it, and it's actually probably more like I just didn't communicate it. It was just kind of floating in my head. And Apparently, Lisa, or Lily wanted like a, a Lego set that was like a, um, a princess Lego set, and I didn't wrap it, but Lisa wrapped it, and, and, and Legos are great, right? I love, I don't love playing, I used to love playing with Legos. If you're a grown up and you love playing, that's fine. Okay, but anyway, she wanted Legos, and um, she's unwrapping it. I knew, I saw it was like a big box, but Lisa tricks people, so she probably put it in the big box, and, but Lily opens it, she rips off the, the paper, and the first thing I see is the number 634. <laughs> This thing had 634 pieces. Like, I saw that number. I started to sweat and to, like, shake, right? Ang blood pressure, anxiety started to spike, hives, all that stuff. And so I didn't know what else to do. I was like, oh, yeah, great, Christmas cookies, right? Distracted her. I hid that toy, okay? But I'm going to give it back. It'll be a great graduation present as she goes to college, okay? But, guys, um, I'm excited about today and in this new year here at, at Doxa. If you're new or visiting, my name is Rob. I'm, I'm one of the pastors here. It's great to have you here, part of our, our family today. We're calling today Vision Sunday, all right? And, and here's what this is all about, okay? Today is, is basically just about getting us all on the same page as we march forward into a new year as the family of Doxa, all right? And next week, we're going to jump right back into our study of the, the book of Acts, which is going to take us all the way into the summer. But today, I want to give you what, what I have sensed in, in my time with God, what I would have sensed like with our leadership team as we've studied the Bible together, the thing that really just kind of needs to like undergird and, and hold up everything that we do here at Doxa as a, as a growing family. And so the way we're going to launch into this new year here at Doxa is by considering this idea of prayer. All right, we're going we're gonna to talk about prayer today, and I, and I want to tell you up front that, guys, this is not like a, a guilt-type sermon, all right? Because I, I know that when I, when I say prayer, and, and maybe if I was to, like, to come up to you and, and ask you, like, man, how's your, how's your prayer life? That no matter how good it is, we, you would maybe probably say, like, well, it, it could be better, 
right? And the truth is we could, we could all say that. But what I found in, in my life as I've walked with God, as I've led as a, as a pastor, is that many Christians kind of like walk around and kind of operate out of this low-level guilt that they either don't pray or you don't pray enough. And so for me, as I've, I've prepared to teach on prayer today, the last thing that I want to do is if you're kind of like a, a Christian with like a, a less than vibrant prayer life, the last thing I want to do is to kind of heap guilt and shame on that because guilt and shame do nothing for us drawing towards God, but actually guilt and shame push us away from God. And so ultimately, here's what I, I want to do, okay? I'm not going to give you like a, a prayer acronym. I'm not going to give you like a, a pep talk of like why you need to pray as a Christian. But here's what I want to do, guys. I just want to simply show you how great God is and what a wonderful blessing it is to be able to pray. Because in, in my hope is, is that this will encourage every single one of us to be able to pray more frequently more free, freely and, and really just more naturally as we walk through life with Jesus. All right, so let me start with this. Why talk about prayer on, on Vision Sunday? Right, I mean, there's just like so many different things going on in the life of our church, so many big, exciting things that, that we're doing. Like, why prayer? And to, to answer that, guys, let me just give you like a, a quick story, okay? So it was 2016 in Bowling Green, Ohio. All right, we just had our, our second kid, Titus, and uh, he wasn't sleeping, right? And just like, you know, this, the baby thing, like they sleep at the wrong times or they don't sleep at all. And I know some of you parents, you're, you're way better than me and you love it when your kids cry and don't sleep. You're like, oh, this is wonderful. Come sleep with me. And like, I'm the opposite, okay? Like that elicits something in me. And so I couldn't handle this. And Lisa, for Christmas that year, it was, it was December when this was happening, she, she bought me a, a handmade pipe from from Italy, and occasionally I like to smoke my pipe. You know, some people are like really scholarly and smart, you know, and I'm not, and so, but when I smoke a pipe, I feel like that, and so it makes me feel like better about myself. But anyway, it was, it was winter time, it was late at night, in the middle of the night, it was snowing, Lisa's like, she hands me the pipe, and she's like, you need to leave, you're not doing anything good here. So I just went out into my driveway, I'm bundled up, I'm sitting on a lawn chair in the snow, in the middle of the night, looking up at the stars, and I'm just praying. Now, in the midst of all this, like, God had been, like, pressing me with this idea, like, maybe, like, we're called to go plant a church and move somewhere to do this church plant. And, and in the midst of my driveway, in the middle of the night, I had, like, one of the coolest fathered by God moments that I've ever had. Like, you know how, like, a, a little kid, like, a dad will come up to his son or daughter and say, hey, you want to do something awesome this weekend? And the little kid's like, yeah, dad, like, what are we going to do? And the dad's like, hey just hop in the car, hop in the passenger seat, and I'm going to show you something amazing. That's what happened to me in that driveway that night, circling this idea of, of Madison. And, and so I kept praying about it, and throughout the next couple of weeks, I'm, I'm praying, and I'm just sensing the same thing, like, Madison, Madison, it's time to go. It's time to leave. And so a few weeks later, I'm sitting on the couch with, with Lisa, and I'm telling her, I'm just saying, hey, I'm sensing, like, I'm feeling like God is just like, asking us to, to move to Madison and start a new church. And she looked at me and she's like, I think you dialed the wrong number, right? <laughs> I don't know if that's what he's saying, but she's like a really godly woman. And she seeks to live her life that when God breaks in and says something, she says anything, anytime, anywhere. And so we prayed. And it was, well, about a month or so, we, we prayed every single day out loud together just asking God like what his will is for, for our life. And God spoke and we started to move forward 
towards Madison. And Doxa Church was, was started in my living room in Bowling Green, Ohio with four members, two of which didn't have a choice, okay, <laughs> Lily and Titus. But we were like, okay, well, what do we do now? Like, we, we can't go by ourselves, so we're like, okay, our best friends are like living here. Let's ask Ronnie and Caitlin if they'll come with us. And their response was, we, we need to pray about it. And that month or so that they were praying was like the longest of, of my life. And, but they, have, they came back and said, we're, we're sensing God saying yes. And so we prepared to move to Madison and, and started taking steps forward. And as we did this, guys, we, we planned, we strategized, we, we did all of these stuff, that took vision trips. But above all, guys, we prayed. We prayed for direction. We prayed for leaders. We prayed for salvation. We prayed for baptisms. We, we prayed for you, honestly. Like, Every single one of you, we, we didn't know your names yet, but we, we prayed for you. This entire journey of, of seeing Doxa Church planted just about a year and a half ago started and was sustained by, by prayer. And guys, throughout the, the last year and a half of our church, there's been two big moments that, that God has used to impress upon me, like not to lose sight of the necessity and the, the power of prayer. And the first was this, it was our connection group, and we were meeting as as. We had dinner and then we separated guys and girls. The guys were in my, my basement, which is kind of like a dungeon, not finished yet. But we were sitting there talking and we were just talking about our lives, our marriages or confessing sin, just whatever. And, and one of the guys in my connection group kind of just said, hey, I, I feel like strongly that God is saying that I need to pray and I need to help other men and women rally and pray for our city, for our families and for our church. And he's like, so I'm going to meet on Tuesday mornings at 6 a.m. before work, and I'm just gonna pray, and you guys can come. And in that moment, I was like, dang it, I gotta be there. You know, I just, I knew it, and I was like, this is gonna ruin my morning routine, and whatever. Very type A, so I, yeah, it's hard for me. So, but we've been doing it. Every Tuesday morning, most every Tuesday morning at 6 a.m., we gather together and we pray. The second instance came about as we've been studying the book of Acts. Do you guys remember back to Acts chapter one? Maybe, maybe not, okay? But at the end of Acts chapter one, we, we saw this like sweet moment right? That Jesus is killed. He's, he's resurrected. He ascends back into heaven. The disciples are, are there and they're kind of like, I don't really know what to do, but there's like 120 of them. They get together in this upper room and they just start praying and they're asking God, like, where do we go? What do we do? And in the midst of all this, something powerful happens after they had prayed for a while, right? That the, the Holy Spirit shows up. The day of Pentecost happens. The, the Holy Spirit descends. The church of Christ is born and everything changes. And it was all predicated on, on this idea of prayer. And I remember after that sermon, I might be the only one, but I was profoundly impacted by the priority and the power and the necessity of prayer in the life of a Christian and the life of a church. And I even started studying like different areas of, of human history and church history. Like you look at these revival type moments, like the revival is just like these times where like great awakening happens, many people come to Jesus, Right? And, and you study all this stuff from the revivals in Scotland to, to the, the Great Awakening in North America, the Azusa Street revivals in, in uh, California. And, and guys, as you study that, every single one of those start with like a group of people convinced that they just need to pray. And you can go to California right now where the Azusa Street revival happened. And there's a little house that's been like memorialized where a couple old ladies just started praying that God would move and do something big. Because if you study these great men and women of faith, I love reading biographies, like some of them are really weird, but really what we see, guys, is they, these are people that have prayed. They believe that God met them in their prayers. They believe that God did something profound as they prayed. And with all this, guys, I felt God saying, 
that if we want to see great things in our lives, if we want to see great things in our city, in our church, that we need to live on our knees and stay in the passenger seat. And, and guys, I'm just like honestly just captivated and filled with anticipation of how God might move in our midst if we actually had this posture. I mean, how might your life be different? How might your family be different? How might your, your marriage be different, this church, if we actually had that posture? So grab your Bible, Matthew chapter six. We're gonna talk about prayer. And as you get there, let me give you like a quick definition of prayer. So Matthew chapter six, but prayer is this. If you're a note taker, you can, you can write this down. Prayer is communication and communion with God. All right, this is ultimately what prayer is. And when I say communication, guys, this can literally mean speaking out loud, like to God, right? Just talking with, with God. And this can include silent prayer, right? That you can be in your workspace, you can be in your cubicle, and you're thinking, man, I can't stand up and start praying out loud right now. Like my coworkers are gonna think I'm really weird. It's gonna create an awkward situation at lunch, right? But that's okay, because we can pray silently because we know God knows our thoughts, right? Prayer can include journaling and, and writing. For those people who are really artsy, it can mean like songwriting and, and writing poetry, right? It's, it's communication. It's speaking with God in the most general sense. And, and prayer also includes listening to God in silence and solitude. Prayer is literally just when we talk to God and we listen to God. And through this communication, this is how we grow in our relationship and our walk with God. So along with communication, though, prayer is also about communion. And I want you to know this, guys. Prayer is not so much about getting something, but about being with someone. This is so important to know. In fact, if you even think about like our earthly physical relationships, it's much the same way. That for those of you who are married, you're dating, I mean, all of us, we have relationships. In order for like relationships to grow, connectivity to grow, intimacy to happen, like the fullness and the joy that comes with relationships, in order for that to happen, we have to have time spent in communication and communing with that person. This is how we grow. And it's important to know this is how prayer works. Like, even as I lead and disciple men, like, I, I oftentimes ask, like, hey, how's marriage? And when marriages are struggling, oftentimes it's because there's a lack of communication and communion. Because this is prayer. And it's important to know that, that prayer actually begins with God. All right, because the, the God of the Bible is a Trinitarian God, meaning one God existing in three persons, all right? Father, Son, and Spirit. And the Father, the Son, and the Spirit have existed in eternity past as one God, and they have been conversing with one another. They, they love, they respect, they honor, and they, they have been speaking with one another. Guys, this is, this is ultimately prayer. It's communication, it's love, it's affection. And what we learn from the Bible is that we are all made in the image and the likeness of God to communicate, to pray, to talk to God, to listen to God, ultimately really just to be in relationship with him. But because of sin in every single one of our lives, guys, we're, we're separated from God. And so to, to mediate that, to, to fix that, God comes in the form of the man, Jesus Christ, the second member of the Trinity, to live a life that we can't live, a life without sin. He dies the death that we should have died, the debt for our sin, to give to us the thing that we could not achieve on our own, forgiveness and reconciliation with God. And as a result of this, God gives us the Holy Spirit to live in us, and God the Holy Spirit enables, empowers, and teaches us to pray. Guys, this is prayer. Now, the question is, how do we pray? The million-dollar question, how do we pray? And this brings us to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 9, and I'm just going to read it through, and then we'll, we'll make a few comments, okay? 
But this is what Jesus says, verse nine, pray like this, okay? So the disciples, they, they come to Jesus and they say, hey, how do we do this thing? How do we pray? And this is how Jesus says, pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, guys, here's what we need to know. When, when Jesus taught us about prayer, he only taught us once, and then he showed us how to do it. That if you, if you read the four gospels, okay, Jesus really spends this one time saying, this is how you pray, and then he models it for the rest of his life. And he shows people, he brings people into that. But chances are, guys, even if you are not a Christian, you've, you've heard this prayer, you've recited it, you've seen it on your grandmother's wall from a plaque she got at the Christian bookstore, right? You've, you've seen this. I'm, I remember like me playing football in college, like before a game, everybody would be like hype and like yelling and just cussing and being like, let's get out there and like kill their moms. And you're like, what are you talking about? Like, that's so weird. And then, then someone stands up and be like, okay, it's time to pray. And we would take a knee and like everybody would start saying this prayer like it was a lucky rabbit's foot, okay? But here's what we need to know. Jesus gave us this prayer. He gave the disciples this prayer to actually learn how to pray. And in it, he gives us six principles that guide us in the way to pray, all which give light to the glory of God and show us just how great and good he actually is. And the first principle is this, if you want to write this down, is we see the Father's character. Verse 9, our Father in heaven, circle Father in your Bible, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So Jesus, he starts this prayer with a simple word, guys, that, that embodies an important relational concept, this idea of father. And I'll tell you this, guys, the most important thing that you can know about prayer is God is father. The most important thing you can know. That the primary way that God reveals himself is this idea of a father, that he could have chose to reveal himself in any way, anyway, but he chose Father, to show us something about the relationship that he wants to have with us. Now, the problem is, is that even statistically speaking, I mean, well over 60% of kids today in urban centers, like they grow up without dads or absent dads or bad dads or abusive dads. And what we tend to do, having a good dad or a bad dad, is we now project our experience with our earthly father onto our heavenly father. And we twist who God actually is. But God is so much better than all of our earthly fathers good or bad. And we get these beautiful pictures throughout the Bible of God being a father. Zephaniah 3.17 gives us this picture of, of God being a father who rejoices and sings over us. In Isaiah 64.8, we get this beautiful picture that we have a loving father who has created every single one of us. And for Jesus, his favorite title for God is father. In the four gospels, right around 165 times, Jesus uses the word Abba to talk about God, Father. And Abba is this like intimate Hebrew word that little kids would oftentimes call their dads, all right, because it was easy to say. It's, it's kind of like dada. So Abba means daddy. And up until this point, guys, you need to understand that this would have been unheard of to address God in this way. Because Yahweh is a, is a holy God. I mean, Jesus says, hallowed, holy be your name. And you wouldn't dare approach God in an informal way like this. Because hear this, this is the best part. Because of Jesus, 
because of his standing, because of his sacrifice, because of his suffering, he opens the door for every single one of us through faith to press in and call the sovereign God of the universe, Daddy. And this concept of, of God as a father, guys, it's, a, it's an intimate one, it's a, it's a warm one, it's a relational one, it's an inviting one. And it's something that, that other world religions in history and, and in present day, they, they don't grasp. See, most religions, like they see God as either like a, an impersonal force or a, a frightening judge who punishes evil. But for the Christian, we can call on God as Father. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says in Romans 8.15. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption. By whom we cry, Abba, Father, Daddy. And guys, I want you to know what this means is that when we pray, we do it respectfully, talking to our Heavenly Father, but we don't need to do it formally. But some of you have, have grown up in a tradition that you had to memorize like prayers in like old English. And this is how you were taught that you prayed, right? That if you wanted to talk to God, that you had to learn what thee and thou and all that stuff meant, but you had to do it very, very formally. But I would say that God is father. And so if you want to learn how to pray, look at the way a little kid talks to their dad. A little kid goes to their dad and talks to their dad about anything, everything, all the time. You know, for example, I'm a dad. And for those of you guys who are, who are dads, you've probably realized that since you've become a dad, you get like a beautiful new picture of what it means that God is father. All right? But my son Titus, he came up to me the other day because he wanted to play race cars. Okay? He got this big NASCAR, this race car, Hot Wheels garage. It was actually someone's in our church that it was in their living room for like seven years. And they were like, hey, do you guys want it? I'm like, okay, thanks. You know, and so I look at this big thing, but my son loves it. He's been playing with it every day since Christmas, okay? And so he, he wanted to play race cars with me, but here is how he did not come up to me and ask me to play cars with him, all right? He didn't come up and like lay on his face and be like, dearest heavenly father, I beseech thee to playeth race cars with thou, right? He didn't do it like that, okay? That's not what he did. He just came up to me and he said, hey, dad, daddy, you want to play race cars? And I was like, yeah, can I be the silver one, right? <laughs> I love my son, and all he needs to do is ask. Guys, this is prayer. I mean, how amazing is that, guys, that God is your father? Prayer is how the children of God, like, climb up onto the lap of their dad to talk and to commune. And because God is Father, this is why the Bible says that we can approach the throne of grace boldly, that we can come to God in confidence through Jesus anytime with anything because dad loves me, dad cares for me, dad hears me, and dad's good. I just need to talk to him. This is prayer. God is Father. The second principle is this. We see the Father's kingdom, verse 10. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so Jesus is saying, yes, through faith in him, we've been fully adopted into the, the family of God, that he's your daddy, but you need to realize who your dad is, that he's the king. And he, he's not just a king, but he's the king. And so in response to this, we, we say that, dad, like your ways are bigger than my ways. Like your, your, your plan is perfect. You're good. I'm, I'm not. Your, your kingdom is awesome. 
and it's full of light and love, and I want your kingdom to advance in my life and in this place of, of darkness and, and hate. And as his kids, guys, we, we pray. And as we pray, we say, I just want my desires to be the same as your desire. To see everyone in this world, everyone in my family, everyone on my street, everyone around me, to come into your kingdom of love and find forgiveness. We say, I want your rule to be advanced in my life and in this world. And when we pray, because we're knowing that we have a good father, a powerful king who can do anything because he controls everything. And so we can approach him with boldness and we can ask. And as guys, as Jesus talks about like the kingdom of God here, this, this prayer gets like really practical for us. I mean, Ronnie shared it as he was doing announcements, but we, we fly this flag of existing for the good of our city, right? And that's, and that's great. And like in a place like Madison, it was like, oh, you want to give back. And so that's a good way to be, have a tagline to get people to want to come. But we actually want to have that as part of our value. We actually want to do it. Because the only hope that we have in seeing this church be for the good of our city is when we realize that only through joining the king on his mission and seeking him to allow our hearts to be molded in to the likeness of Jesus and his will. This is the only hope that we have. And as we pray, we can ask in Madison as it is in heaven. And as we pray, God hears us and he changes us to be the type of people that can join him to love our city well, to love our neighbors well, to love our coworkers so well. So we have the Father's character, the, the Father's kingdom, and the third thing is the Father's provision. Verse 11, Jesus says, pray like this, right? Give us this day our daily bread. Because as, as, as humans, we're, we're just needy beings, right? We, we need hope and help to navigate through life. I mean, life is just peppered with, with hardships, with, with needs, with, with struggles, with, with trials. And, and in prayer, we can admit those needs, right? That we all have physical needs, shelter, food, clothing. We all have emotional needs, someone to love us, like someone to care for us. We all have spiritual needs. We, we have needs to just walk through life every single day. And all of this is included in daily bread. So prayer is, is very much where we kind of grab the chair and pull up a chair to our father's table and we acknowledge that he has the means to feed us whatever our hunger is. And we can go to him, guys, with our most basic needs, anticipating that he will feed us from his abundance. Guys, and we can ask because God, hear this, guys, God is a gift giver. In the book of James, we see that every good gift, every, every blessing comes from our Father above. Ephesians 1, the apostle Paul talks about how God has, has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. He's given us everything. Jesus, as he navigates life and he tells his parables, he shows us how God is a good father and he cares for his kids. Our God is a giver and he invites us guys to ask. In Matthew chapter seven, one chapter over, Jesus tells us to go to God and to ask and to seek and to knock. All right? That we can just ask God. And he invites us to, to keep asking that we're not bothering God when we're praying and we're asking him for something. And I know some of you, you, you feel like God doesn't really care about you, right? You, you think maybe God doesn't want to be troubled with like your, your annoying little prayers. You're thinking there's billions of people in this world. God's like super busy. He doesn't have time to hear my little requests. But guys, remember, God is father. He's father. And he wants you to ask 
James 4.2 says it like this, that you don't have because you don't ask God. Because he invites us to ask. And, and this is not, maybe this is like you, this is not like when we were kids. Do you remember like you'd be asking your dad like a bunch of questions and your dad would say, ask me that one more time, <laughs> right? That wasn't like an invitation to keep asking. That was like a threat that if you do this again, there's gonna be something bad. God is not like that. He says, ask, ask. And I'll tell you this, guys, through faith, God hears your prayers and he answers every prayer. He really does. And I know some of you, you may hear that and you think, I've, I've prayed about things and it didn't happen. And so I know that God doesn't hear every prayer and doesn't, doesn't answer every prayer. But I need you to know God answers and hears every prayer in one of three ways. It's either yes, no, or later. That's it. Like I, I told you, I have kids, right? And it's, it's kind of like this, bedtime routine. A couple nights ago, Lily, full of questions. Daddy, can I have a glass of water before I go to bed? Yeah, babe, have a glass of water. Titus, Daddy, can I have my Halloween candy before I go to bed? No, there is no such thing as bedtime candy, okay? No, okay, well then can we go swimming real quick? Later, okay? It's kind of like that. God is a dad, he hears us. And we might not like the answer that we get, but it's always yes, no, or later. Through prayer, guys, we get the great gift of talking with God and the ability to ask for things. The fourth principle, the Father's forgiveness, verse 12, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. I gotta say this, guys. As Jesus has been teaching us to pray, he's been showing us God for who he really is, okay? So that he's a good father. He's a powerful yet loving king. And because of his power and his character, not only does he love to give us good things, but he has the means to actually make it happen. That God is loving, he's, he's good, he's powerful among other things. And as, what we're seeing in this, guys, is as we're watching who God actually is, guys, here's what should be happening in every single one of us. As we're seeing God for who he is, we should be seeing ourselves for who we really are and how different we are from him. And what this does is it makes us keenly aware of our sin, of our brokenness, of our shortcomings, and it makes us keenly aware of the forgiveness that we need for all of that. See guys, as long as we compare ourselves to like the people around us who just do like idiotic things, right? We will always feel really highly about ourselves. I mean, really, it's, it's not that difficult to look at the people around you and be like, Phew, right? They're a hot mess. I'm doing pretty good. You know, and you, and you think highly of yourself. Now, you have to get off Instagram because you look at fabulous people that whatever, you know, but if you get into real life, you can always find people around you that are gonna make you feel great about who you are. But hear this, guys, when you're looking at God, which is what we're doing in prayer, our lack of holiness, our sin, our lack of perfection, our neediness become very, very clear to all of us. And the truth is we all have sin and evil and darkness and brokenness in our lives and for this we all need forgiveness. The psalmist in Psalm 51 says that the broken and contrite in spirit God will never despise. I, I love that verse, 
All right, he says the broken and the contrite in spirit, God will never despise. And it's funny because oftentimes people think that when we come to prayer, when it comes to prayer, we, we have to come like boldly and we have to come like we have it all together. But the Bible says it's the broken and the contrite that God draws near to. And he hears. And in prayer, guys, we're asking God to help us not to stray away from him and not to stray away from his words and his ways. And we ask him to forgive us as we do that, because we, every single one of us do that daily. And as a good father and a powerful king, through Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit, when we pray, he forgives us and he molds our hearts to become more like Jesus. See, guys, prayer is, is not just about moving the hand of God to get what we want, but it oftentimes involves God molding our hearts to who he's created us to be. This is what God does in prayer. And this reality that Jesus gives us here answers another key question about prayer, which is this. How does prayer work? You know, like, how, how, do we, how does it work? And, and we could say a ton about this, but I'll just keep it to this. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5, it says that there's one mediator between God and us, which is the man, Jesus Christ. And what this means, guys, is that apart from Jesus, prayers are ineffective and they don't go any higher than the ceiling. In, in Matthew 21... Verse 22, he says, and whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. Because faith is key to prayer. Faith in Jesus is the way that prayer is even possible. And it's only through Jesus, through faith, that he forgives our sin. He mediates our broken relationship with God. And now we can pray to God and he hears us. And so very practically, because if, if you have not come to Jesus in faith, your prayer life is going to remain ineffective. But Jesus invites you. He invites you to come to him. He invites you to come to him and give him your sin so he can give you his righteousness, so he can give you the Holy Spirit that will empower you and enable you to pray, to communicate, and to commune with the Father. And so this is the invitation for every single one of us today to come to Jesus. Now the last two principles, the fifth and the sixth principles kind of like go together, okay? The fifth, fifth principle is, is this. We see the Father's guidance. Verse 13, and lead us not into temptation. All right, so I want you to notice this, okay? Up until this point, this prayer has been kind of dealing with our relationship with the Father and, and with those around us. But here this prayer like kind of shifts a little bit, now dealing with us living in a broken and a sinful world that's in many ways like anti-God. And here's what Jesus says to pray. He says that when you take us out into the world, Father, to advance your kingdom, give us the strength to be in the world, but not of the world. And we pray and we ask God to lead us as we walk through life to walk for his glory and the good to others. Like Jesus, guys, that in prayer, guys, we're, we're seeking to direct our steps in our ways so that, that we can live like Jesus and continue what he started, bringing the love of God and the gospel of hope to the world around us. And so we ask God to, to lead us in the ways of Jesus. And then he says this last principle that we, we see the, the Father's protection. So we ask him to, to lead us, but then the end of verse 13, but deliver us from evil. And so as he's wrapping up this, this prayer tutorial, right, he, he reminds us that our souls have an enemy. And Satan's schemes 
of evil in, include temptation to, to sin and really just to stray away from God. And Jesus tells us here to, to pray for, for deliverance, for, for protection. He tells us elsewhere that, the, that Satan comes to only steal and to kill and destroy, that Satan wants to steal your health, steal your joy, steal your love. And here we're praying and asking God that he would keep us safe as we venture through life in King Jesus' service. Because this is how Jesus teaches us to pray. And he teaches us a lot about prayer here, a lot about who God is. Now here's what we're gonna do, all right? Because I really believe the best way to learn how to pray is to pray. It really is. That's the one application that I wanna give you. All right, so I'm gonna pray in just a minute and we're gonna pray together, all right? And, and guys, through this prayer, we're gonna pray through this prayer that Jesus gave us. All right, and, and this has kind of become one of like a regular rhythm in my walk with God. When I'm driving to the gym in the morning, like I'm not just like blasting music, I'm like walking myself and praying through the Lord's prayer. And it's become one of the most rich things in my life. Like this isn't just like an old archaic liturgy that we just kind of learn to recite and don't think about. It's rich, it's deep, it's all about Jesus. And so we can pray and talk to the Father and thank him for being good and know that he's king, that he's powerful, that he can meet us and he wants to meet us where we're at and we can ask him for the things that are going on in our life, big or small, and he hears us. And when we stray away from him, we can ask for forgiveness and he brings us back into the family. And we ask him to just guide us as we, as we try and be parents, as we try and be friends, as we try and follow Jesus in the everyday stuff of life. We say, just help me, guide me in this and protect me so I don't fall into sin. And we can just ask him for this. So I'm gonna pray and then I'm gonna show you what we're gonna do, okay? So pray with me. God, thanks for your word. Thank you that you're, your father, that you're, you're good and that you love us, every single one of us as we, we sit here. Like, we're reminded by that one word, father, of your crazy affection for us. And you're not just good, but you're powerful, you're king, you're holy. God, thank you for allowing me to, to serve and walk with a powerful king. And God, I just ask that you would just help me to be the man that you've created me to be. Would you help our church to be the church that you've created us to be? God, forgive us for not giving you the praise and the glory and the honor in the right spot in our life as we should. So would you just lead us even in this time as we, as we pray I see you just teach us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So guys, here's what we're going to do. For some of you, this is going to be incredibly awkward. Okay? <laughs> we're going to pray together. The best way to learn how to pray is to pray. And I know if you're new, if this is like the first time.